Drow. Good morning, church. Excited to jump in to Ezekiel. Over the summer, we'll be doing two Bible studies on Ezekiel and Jonah, uh, about five weeks each, to understand more of how these old words of the prophet are new again as we live out in the life of Christ. Let's pray and we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the moments that we have, for your words, for your spirit. God, would you take this old story and make it new again? Would you allow us to find our story in, this, in the book of Ezekiel? Open us up, God. Speak to us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel week one, your sermon title is Justice and Obedience. This is your story too. This is your story too. Justice and obedience. This is your story too. Because it's easy to think that that. The old words of the prophecy don't apply to us anymore. Sometimes when we read scripture, we're not exactly sure how they apply to us. You know, when I um, started the church with a whole bunch of uh, volunteers, we had no staff in the, in the early years, nine years ago, my wife and I, and at that time just two kids, he said, yeah, let's, let's do this. God called me, hey, come and build the church, Scott. And what I recognized when God called me was I needed to get really familiar with the word of God. I didn't... I wasn't done with seminary yet, didn't feel like an expert by any stretch, but I did feel compelled to help make the church matter in people's life, that, that this would be their story too. But what God said is, Scott, prepare. How? Um, the words that I've given you. And so what I did for the first year and a half before the church started is I, I learned a new rhythm in order to take up this new calling, I needed new words. And so the rhythm was, while my family slept, I would wake early and, and open the scriptures and pour a cup of coffee. And I bought this Bible. This Bible is a, is a message paraphrase because there were places in the Old Testament that I didn't know exactly what God was saying. And so this is a paraphrase where half of it was the NIV, and then right next to it was the message translation, because I wanted to get into books like Ezekiel and understand what the old words were made new again, how Ezekiel words fit to my life. And so then slowly and surely over the course of a year and a half, um, read the Bible twice through, and then I would finish, and then I would start again. And I don't know if you ever have this, but I would read things, I'm like, I don't even remember reading this before, and I had. Or I read it and be new again. Because every time you read the scriptures, you're different. And so God wants to speak to you. This is why I encourage people, when you read the Bible, make notes, underline, put stars. Let this be a roadmap of your discipleship. May these words be your words. That was what God said to me. That the words of God would connect to my story too. And so as we segue into the text... I need to just say for a moment, before we get into Ezekiel's life story, I need to say a word about prophecy. Over the course of the next 10 weeks, many of you will be gone, but no, even as you travel, you can go to our app or to the website, and you can follow along with the messengers. I'll be on sabbaticals, you read in your bulletin, but we've got a deep teaching uh, bench, and every week, your, your pastors will just preach the word of God to you. Well, what do we do with Prophecy. These words of Ezekiel, next week I'll be preaching Ezekiel 1. Man, it's just really hard to connect to my story. What do we do with that? Jonah, how do I get, you know, it's kind of hard to believe. You're going to be talking a lot about prophecy. This is what's interesting about prophecy. That between the major prophets, which would include Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations would fit into that, Ezekiel and Daniel, and then the 12 minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament, and then the book of Revelation, that in total, over 
Over 17 books in the scriptures are are books of prophecy. It's interesting. Over 25% of the Bible is prophecy. So I, like you, come to places in the text, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. But I want to encourage and warn you. We don't throw out the prophets. We don't get to throw out 25% of the scriptures and say, I'm just not sure it's my story. Because the fact of the matter is, in the story of Ezekiel, and you'll hear it today, you will learn that this is your story too. Because what God did was when he had a message for people, he didn't airdrop a pamphlet in. He didn't send a message. He sent a messenger. And in the Old Testament, people like Ezekiel were the messengers of God. In the New Testament, we have the message incarnate, that God so loved the world, he sent a pamphlet do he sent his son jesus christ like we have the person of christ which is the embodiment of god himself so god sends messengers in order to to communicate his message this is important and in the old testament as we studied in the last week as a teaching team we studied with uh, sbu professor professor jeff cuse and he reminded us that in the old testament there's these three themes of justice and obedience two sides of the same coin justice god is fully just obedience god is fully love calling us to love him back and then there's this third word this word in hebrew which is hapak hapak say it with me hapak you got to cough it out hapak means to turn back. It means when the prophets are like, let's get back to what God intended. Justice and obedience, turn back. The prophets were a bridge between the law and the grace of Jesus Christ. And in the middle is the messenger, these prophets who said, turn back to the best life, the sweetest life, is when you're connected to the justice and obedience of your God. For many of us, if we're really, really honest, there's places in the prophets that just scare us a bit. I get that. But take the journey with us this summer. Take the journey as we continue to unpack what the prophets, these words of Ezekiel, how they matter to you and your story today. Because we all, as followers of King Jesus, are called to pursue justice and obedience this is our story too. Let's look at first, in, in the first point of your outline, the old becomes new. Let's look at the person of Ezekiel. And we're going to find some handles even into our story here where the old becomes new. Let's look at the life of Ezekiel. Now what's really interesting in Ezekiel, look at verse 1, Ezekiel 1, 1. In my 30th year. How old is Ezekiel? He's 30. In the fourth month, on the fifth day. While I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. This is really helpful because next week I'll go back and I'll teach Ezekiel 1 and we get some prophetic vision that can be confusing. But what we begin before the prophetic vision, Ezekiel says, this is my story. I'm 30. It's in the early spring. I'm in Babylon and God spoke to me. This is my story. This is why story matters so much. You might wonder, as many do, Scott, why do you talk about your own life so much? It's a lot of story. I don't, I don't, like, we get it. You played college football. Let it go. Yeah, we get it. You like fishing. A bit redundant. Got it. 
We tell story to communicate God's truth through us, that it would be your story. Man, many years from now, if you come up to me in a supermarket and we've, we've not been doing church, like our lives have been disconnected, guess what I want to know? Tell me your story. Tell me what happened when the heavens opened. Tell me what God's doing in your life. That's why story matters. That's why during Lent, we did six weeks of telling people's, you know, personal salvation story, learning to tell their story, not with themselves as hero, but with Jesus as the hero. So Ezekiel says, this is my story. Pretty interesting about this. Ezekiel, there's going to be places of the prophecy. If you read it along with us over the next six weeks, there's certain places that are pretty problematic, pretty graphic. In ancient Israel, after the prophecy of Ezekiel, uh, young Jewish boys, as they were studying to become rabbis, were not allowed to read Ezekiel or Song of Solomon until they turned 30 years old, when they were anointed as priests, because they thought Ezekiel and Song of Solomon were too dangerous for young minds. There's stuff in here that is graphic, that's challenging, certainly. But here's what Ezekiel tells us, so, and to anchor us in a bit of context. The Assyrians had already, destroyed, had already destroyed Israel at one other time. And this is why Jonah, when we talk about Jonah's story, why was he so scared to go to Nineveh? Because the Assyrians, they were awful people. They were rotten people. And so he had no compassion for them. He can't imagine God has compassion on them. That story's really going to challenge you later this summer, the story of Jonah. That's your story too, unfortunately, but we'll wait on that one. Uh, but the Assyrians wanted to conquer God's people through destruction, but not the Babylonians. No, they wanted to conquer Israel not by destruction, but by seduction. What do you mean, Scott? The Assyrians and many empires in the ancient world would come in and destroy by sword. But the Babylonians were so conceited, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, they thought if, if other cultures would be exposed to us, we will indoctrinate them. And that's why when, when Israel was, was captured by Babylon, that's why the people of Israel were marched into captivity and housed in Babylon. And so... Babylon's trying to seduce them. There's a word for us in our culture. Is, 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 the, is the battle of your faith trying to destroy you or trying to seduce you to think that God's not really for you anymore or that God's word doesn't ring true in your life? So Ezekiel, he, he, he's been carried into captivity. And, and the prophecy of Ezekiel, the big narrative is that we got to get right with God even while we're in captivity. This is the timeline. In 605 BC was the first invasion. In 597 BC, before Christ, Ezekiel is carried away with 10,000 others. That's interesting because 10,000 wasn't the entire number in, in Jerusalem at all, in Israel. But 10,000 were the leaders, the movers, the shakers, the scientists, the priests. Remember, Babylon, not destruction, but seduction. They wanted to, to indoctrinate the people, so they took the leaders, of which Ezekiel is one. And then in 587, or I'm sorry, 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he destroys Jerusalem and burns the temple. And so here we go. The scene changes. Ezekiel 1.1, they're in captivity. They've been in captivity for 70 years. Now, this is really, really interesting. As I studied the Bible this week to bring a message to you, this is amazing to me. This is almost mind-blowing. 
Because if you think about, you know, 600 BC, we're not 2019, you're talking over 2,500 years of human history. How many years of 2,500 years, and obviously human history goes way longer than that, but just from, from Ezekiel forward, how much in 2,500 years is 70 years? I mean, that's a, that's a moment, right? That's just a sneeze. It's nothing. But in those 70 years, while Israel was captured and taken to Babylon, hundreds of miles from home, in 70 years, no fewer than eight books of the Bible were written in that period or about that period. Doesn't seem to matter to me, Scott. That might be interesting to you because you're paid to be a Christian. But for me as a regular person, I'm not sure that matters. It does. Like, go with me for a moment. Jeremiah, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Lamentations, Ezekiel. They're all written within these 70 years or about the 70 years. Still struggling to make a connection. Bring it home, big dog. Here it is. The things that you think are wasted years, God is writing a testimony in your life. If you would allow me, I'm going on sabbatical soon, so I got to get some of this energy out. I feel like preaching the word of God to you, okay? In the 30th year, he's by the river Kabar. He's in Babylon. It's not where he wants to be. He's not sure God is still speaking. And it is those moments where God cracks the sky and comes. The glory of God in Babylon? No, no, no. No, the glory of God resided in the temple in Jerusalem, right, Scott? Not in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, the sky opens, and in the middle of captivity, God himself, Christ himself, makes an appearance in Ezekiel, and he says, I am for you. And the years that you think you've wasted, the time in which you think I'm not speaking, I can use all of it for my glory. This means a great deal to me that in foreign lands when we're in times of oppression when we're struggling for identity this is when God wants to get your attention it's amazing actually eight books during captivity wow okay so when I'm in a place that feels like Babylon I gotta remember God is for me God is speaking God wants to write a testimony right in the midst of the place that feels like exile. This is where your story is being written. Be more worried about your years of comfort and inactivity. Be more worried. Because it's in the hardest times of your faith that will define or destroy your trust in King Jesus. I'm sorry, that microphone's popping. I know it's annoying, just we're gonna go with it. Ezekiel, this is his story, but this is our story too. He's captive, he's lonely, he's a prisoner. He, he, like Jeremiah, is unique among the prophets because he's not just a prophet, he's a priest. Not sure it matters, Scott. Bring it home. Well, here's the thing. Many prophets, like guys like Amos, like they're just kind of outside of the temple work, but for people like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they had been trained to be priests. Here's why Ezekiel is really interesting. Because to be a priest in ancient Israel, you would start training at 20 years old. You would receive your calling. You're 20. You're going to be a priest. You would study for 10 years. And on your 30th birthday, you would be anointed. You would be a rabbi. You would have authority. You would have standing. 
you would have comfort. You would have provision. But not Ezekiel. Not because he was 20 and he started to study. And around about 25, he was shackled. And along with everybody he loves, he was marched to a foreign land. And so when Ezekiel begins and he's there by the river, have some empathy and compassion. Here's a man who's sure he's lost everything. Here's a man who got halfway through his training to be a priest and he's not sure that he'll ever go home. And and what's more, for five years, he's been in relative silence because temple worship happened in Jerusalem. And so God's people were struggling for identity there in Babylon. And it's there that God says, Ezekiel, I can use your life. Here in Babylon, it's where I'm looking for you. And so this is where this becomes our story a bit, for us to make the connection that the hardest parts of the journey are often where our faith is destroyed or made more real. The stuff that's devastating is meant to increase our love. And oftentimes, people will kind of select out, but the prophets point to the way it's supposed to be. That God wants you to be yourself for the sake of the gospel. God wants to use you in the story that you're already in. There by the Kabar River, halfway through the training you thought you'd be, halfway through the calling you thought you'd be, on a Father's Day 2019 that might be different than you anticipated, that you go to the card aisle at Bartels and you're not quite sure which card to buy. This is your year. God says, don't wait for the next story. Don't be stuck in an old hurt. I will use everything for my glory if you'll offer, offer it to me. This is our story This is why this matters. God wants you to be yourself for the sake of the gospel and allow him to redeem each and every day for his glory. And so it's Father's Day 2019 that I go back 11 years when I lost my son, Fisher Samuel's son. And he would be, he'd be 10 and a half years old right now. Life doesn't turn out the way that you expect But it matters because I've learned through that heartache that God can redeem even the hardest parts of our story in order for more of his glory. And so I live now as a father imperfectly, but trying to each and every day remember the legacy of a life that changed because of grief. The God of glory comes to Babylon and says, I can use all your life, all of it for my glory. Old becomes new. And then we get some of the specifics of this calling, where Ezekiel is called, called for justice. And we're going to be back to chapter 1 next week. I'll be back next week on chapter 1. But we want to kind of anchor ourselves in this twofold calling of justice and obedience that we'll carry all the way through the study. So look at verses 1 through 7 of Ezekiel 2. So the glory of God speaks to Ezekiel. Son of man, stand up on your feet and I'll speak to you. And as he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. He said, son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that's rebelled against me. They're in their ancestors. They're in a revolt against me. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, they're rebellious. They'll know that a prophet has been among them. 
And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid through briars and thorns are all around you and live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are rebellious people. You must speak my words to them. Whether they listen or fail to listen, they are rebellious. This is amazing. This is like these kind of personal pronouns of our calling to justice where God says, you, can I pull that slide up real quick, that last slide, where God says, you speak my words to them. You, us, speak his words to others. We're called to be people ingesting God's word, being people of justice. And he, he admits as much, God does. He's like, this is going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. But I'm like, where will we get the power for this kind of call to justice? I love it. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit that was given in Acts that Jesus confirmed in his teaching. Here it is, these markers all the way back. You'll notice son of man, which happens to be Jesus' favorite designation about himself. Jesus would call himself son of man more than anything else. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel calls himself that 90 times. It doesn't mean that Ezekiel is Christ or anything else. It means Christ himself will make an appearance in Ezekiel. I'm going to talk about that next week in the glory of God. But he says, here, he says, this would be, this would be the, the, the strength for the journey. Stand on your feet. Receive the Spirit. The Spirit entering is so key. The change that the church needs. I mean, a lot of us have been ingesting words. And, you know, it's kind of living up here somewhere. But the 18-inch journey from your head to the heart is where the Spirit of God wants to move you outside of yourself. Your faith is not meant to be what you can think about, what you can ascribe to your effort. It is all grace. And so the free gift of God's Spirit here confirmed in Ezekiel, receive the power to which you'll need for the journey ahead. It's amazing. We are sent for justice. This is our calling. We're sent for justice, to be truth tellers, to be feeding hungry people, to be so anchored in God's word that we're people of truth. Don't miss this. Like, this is the hapak moment in Ezekiel. This is the turn back. We are meant for more than just our own comfort. Know that God wants to do a big, just thing in the world. He'll say as much in Ezekiel 37. It's all about relationship, but God is a a God of justice. Ezekiel 37 points to where we're going in the story, where God will confirm this again and again and again. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. God says, through this relationship, I want you to be telling the truth about who I am. I want you to be telling the truth. You're called for justice. Called for justice. And so the influence that you crave into your family, the influence you crave into your workplace, the influence you crave into the world at large will come from your commitment to justice. Get up on your feet. One more thing here. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Three times in verse six. Interesting in the scriptures. Somebody said this to me. It was an original thought, but I thought I would pass it on to you. That every time in the scriptures somebody gets a calling, God reminds them, don't be afraid. I'm sending you. I've called you. You'll do hard things in my name, and I know it's going to be scary some days. So do not be afraid. You're called for justice. But for many of us, we can sacrifice justice and the truth for comfort. I mean, that was my story a bit in high school before I really gave my life over to Christ where the Spirit came into me when I was on the eve of my 18th birthday and, and God just in a moment changed me. But my whole high school was this struggle for identity. 
and trying to, to, to ascribe to some sort of belief set that would make me valuable in people's eyes. To the partiers, I was a partier. To the athletes, I was a jock. To the leaders, I wanted to be a leader. I just, I just was trying to be this chameleon, trying to find who I was. I wanted to be important. I wanted to have influence. And for many times, I traded what was sacred in my life for what was comfortable. How often do we trade the sacred for what's comfortable? I was looking for, uh, at the, this specific season, identity as a baseball player. Who knew? And, and these, there was a guy in the area, an older guy. He worked for a professional baseball team. And the rumor has it, you can go hang out with this guy. And he's really cool. I mean, it sounds like, like we don't do that anymore. We don't send kids to older guys. And, I mean, that was just weird in the 80s. But that's what we did. And we wanted to meet this guy. And um, the thing was, you could trade football cards or baseball cards for some of the genuine Major League Baseball paraphernalia stuff. And he'll think you're cool. I'm like, I'm in. I need to be cool. I want to be cool. I want this guy to like me like he likes some of my buddies. So we went over to his place and I brought, hey, bring your cards, he said. My football card. Oh, okay. He looked through my cards. He says, hey, here's a Jerry Rice rookie card. Jerry Rice played for the 49ers back when the 49ers were still a football team. And Sorry, my buddy's a 49er fan. I had to get that in there. But uh, we had this base, or the football card, Jerry Rice rookie card, tops. I mean, this thing was in mint condition. He's like, I'll trade you your Jerry Rice rookie card for this wood bat. This is the wood bat that I traded for. It's still around. You could buy this bat off Amazon right now for probably The Jerry Rice Ricky card is currently going for $13,500. But see, I wanted, I wanted an identity. I traded something more sacred for comfort. God says, I want to speak the truth to you. I, I want to say hard things to you. I want you to say hard things in the world and to be a lover of justice. Don't trade away what's most sacred in order for what's most comfortable. This is the call to justice. Man, it's, we're sent for it. And then Ezekiel is, is sent into this place of obedience. And we're deliberately kind of flipping call and sent here on purpose because they're two sides of the same coin of God's character of being sent for justice and and receiving obedience or being sent for obedience and receiving justice. Ezekiel will receive through the word of God strength for the journey ahead. The strength for the journey will come from what you consume. And so God says to him, don't be like the others. Open your mouth. I will give you what you need for the journey. Look at Ezekiel 2, verses 8 through 10. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people, and then open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked, and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and in it was a scroll, which he enrolled before me, and on both sides of it written words of lament and mourning and woe. And this, we'll just pause here for a minute, because this is interesting. Open your mouth, says God. Be obedient to what I want to give you. Be obedient to what I want to feed you with. We are called for obedience. We're called for that. Now, I want something more than that. God, I want to be called for influence. I want to be called for power. I want to be called for success. I want to be called for you know, being established. 
God says you were called for obedience. And the hard word, church, is this will hurt sometimes. This hand reaches through the cloud. You know, it's like, all right, it's a little bit odd, but I'm just going to go there because I know this isn't just the old story. God wants me to encounter him in the prophecy today. The hand reaches and it's the scroll. What's on the scroll? I'm here by the Kabar River. I only got halfway through my priest training. It's my 30th year. Everything I was going to be is back home. I don't want to be here. And now there's a hand, and now there's a scroll. What's the good news, God? What's on the scroll? I'm dying to know, says Ezekiel. Like, God, make it up to me, will you? Like, reestablish my call. Bring more comfort. But what's the call to obedience? What's on the scroll? What's on the scroll? Lament and mourning and woe. Lament and mourning and woe. Verse 8. You, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like those rebellious people. Open your mouth. Eat what I give you. Look, verse 9. I saw hands stretched. And this is the scroll. Verse 10. On it, both sides, double-sided even. Words of lament and mourning and woe. That's unbelievable. I don't know about you, but I don't often go seeking for a double portion of woe, of lament, of mourning. No, I like a comfortable journey. I like easy relationships. I like things that make me feel like I'm on the right trajectory. But what God says to Ezekiel to enter fully into the calling that I want to feed you with will be some hard words, things that look like lament, things that look like mourning, things that look like woe. Amazing, difficult, challenging. It continues, Ezekiel 3, verse 1 through 2, and he said to me, son of man, eat what's before you. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. This is this twofold identity that Ezekiel kind of launches us with, that we're sent to do justice and we're called for obedience. Justice and obedience, this is our story too. And the fact of the matter is, what God promises is you will become what you eat. You will become what you consume. It's like those algorithms in Instagram and you start typing things into the search bar, guess what gets populated below? more of what you're searching for. Or the algorithms in Amazon or Facebook, the way in which the digital community is constantly reading your life, populating the things you search with with your already formed biases. I mean, because they know they can sell more goods. It's the nature of capitalism. If we give them what they're searching for, they'll click buy more often. So God said, feed on me. And church, I just want to ask you, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Because God says, if you open your mouth, I want to feed you. Last night, a whole bunch of people gathered for worship, a, a night of worship, worship nights. We met at Trinity Presbyterian at 7.30 on a, on a warm June night, and some of you couldn't make it because you're busy. What do you hunger for? Because a bunch of people came last night and, and, and filled a room to worship God, to say, I want my life to be pointing towards deeper obedience. God, would you fill me with that? And God promises through Ezekiel, if you open your mouth, 
If you take this stance of obedience, if you open your life, if you receive more and more and more of the Spirit, ask me for more, God says, and I will give you what you want. And sometimes that's words of lament and mourning and woe, and God says, I will be with you even in your toughest journeys of obedience. If I said to you, church, that it's always going to be easy, I would be lying. Sometimes obedience is hard. How do we we know that? Well, because Tuesday we had a staff training day and our children, youth, and family team was actually, some of them were moved to lament and woe at how challenging it is to fill our classrooms of kids with people that want to serve kids. They're like, man, it's wearing us down. People like Marianne and Kay have served hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on the streets of Aurora and we say, good for them. But I want to say, good for us. Like more and more and more of us being invited in this twofold notion of justice and obedience. It's hard. It'll cost you something to give of your time or to eat the words of scripture or to repent when you've missed it. But there's a word of blessing here. Look at Ezekiel 3.3. He said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you. Fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. This is remarkable. God says, this is where faith begins. This is where the woe becomes the the, the sweetness. As As you empty yourself and not avoid the hard parts of your journey in obedience, you 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 ingest the words of lament and mourning and woe in repentance, in places where we've blown it, in places where we're stepping out in justice, in places where we're becoming more and more obedient. God says there is a sweetness there you can never have if you're not willing to take this journey. So may this be our story too. May the intimacy we crave come from the far side of obedience. This is Ezekiel. He's he's prophet and he's priest. And this is your story too. Some of you are a little bit more justice-minded. You're kind of the, you're the prophet. You want to do justice. But justice without intimacy is only activism. And some of you are more the priest where it's all about in this season just obedience and intimacy with the Lord. And I love that. But obedience without justice can be self-centered. Now, the gospel is calling us out to these twofold journey of justice and obedience that this would be our story too. And so I'll ask you this question, church. What do you need to repent from? Is it a lack of holiness? Is it a lack of justice? Is there something in your journey of obedience that God is asking of you? What do you need to lay down? Because many of us want to be the prophet or the priest or just go home to the way that we thought life was going to turn out. But we are in the journey that God has already placed us in on purpose. And your King Jesus is saying, I want you to be pursuing justice. I want you to be seeking obedience all for my glory. There is a sweetness there. I told the story at the front end about about, you know, kind of stepping out and to be, a, to, to be a pastor, about like reading scripture every day. That, that was one part of my call about obedience, but there were some steps of justice that needed to happen as well. Learning to advocate for the marginalized, learning to purify some of the things in my heart that had crystallized with sin. God's like, no, I want those things kind of moved away from your heart a bit, Scott. Now take the journey with me in justice and obedience 
It's sweet. It's sweet like honey. Will you bow your heads and pray with me now, and then we'll call the band forward. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for the reminder that through the words of Ezekiel that our story comes shining through, that we find Ezekiel actually surprisingly easy to connect to, He's in a foreign place that's a bit surprising and he's, he's wrestling with his identity and his calling. God, thank you for the reminder that as you call us, you tell us not to fear, but you are gonna call us out into places of justice, into places of obedience for more and more and more of your glory and the promise, God, that this is the sweetest life available, that this is the good life this journey that you're taking with us. Thank you for this word that you come through the words of Ezekiel, that in any Babylon moments we find ourselves, that you're here to speak with us now. Lord Jesus, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. We're gonna do a response today that's a little bit different. In the text, Ezekiel receives the scroll, double-sided, lament, mourning, and woe. Whew, double-sided. And the... And the 